Well, good evening, friends. Welcome to our Friday night care group study. So glad that all of you have decided to join us this evening as we continue our study series on the wilderness wanderings that the Israelites were in as they were traveling from Egypt to Canaan. Anyways, do share your praises in the comment section below as I offer a word of prayer as we get into the study for this evening. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much that we have this opportunity to come and study your word. And Lord, as we look at this most important topic about the sanctuary this evening, we ask that you would please be with us, that you would guide us and lead us with your spirit, that your spirit would teach us all truth, that we might understand your word and how its relevance applies to us today. Lead us, O Lord, is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we will be looking at the sanctuary this evening. And you know, God's desire, His desire has always been to be with His people. From the very beginning, God gave Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden. And every day, it was His delight to come and commune with them and to spend time with them. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, we read, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. It was God's delight to always come and spend time with Adam and Eve when he created them at the very beginning. He would come in the cool of the day. It seems as if when the sun was setting, God would want to come and walk with them and talk with them and spend that precious time with them. But because of sin, because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, we became afraid of God and we began to run from Him and hide from Him. And ultimately, we lost the right to live in the Garden of Eden and in God's presence. You see, friends, sin separates us from God. It makes us afraid to come into His presence to be with Him. We read in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. And so from the beginning, since sin entered the world, God has wanted to be with his people again, those that he created in his image. That's all he has ever wanted. From the very beginning when we sinned and we got separated and we are the ones that left him and walked away from him, God has always desired to be with us. And you know, at the very end of time, we read in the book of Revelation that God finally sees that fulfilled in Revelation 21 and verse 3. The Bible says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Do you see that, friends? There's going to come a day when God will finally be reunited with us again, where we won't be afraid to be in His presence anymore, where He will be able to walk and talk with us again as He did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
That means there will finally be an end of sin one day as well, because sin is that which separates us from God. We are going to be able to see God face to face again one day. And you know, when the Israelites, they came out of Egypt and formalized their covenant to with God to be his people and that he would be their God, he would establish a way for him to be with them in their midst, not just as a, a cloudy pillar, a cloud of pillar or a pillar of fire by night. It was even more than that. Look at this, Exodus 25 and verse 8. God says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Do you see that, friends? God instructed the Israelites through Moses to build a sanctuary. Why? So that he could be with them. Somehow through the sanctuary, God would restore us back into his presence. We read also in Exodus 29 and verse 46, And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. God could not dwell with them while they were in Egypt. Why? Because they were as slaves. They were in bondage. Egypt was like a symbol of sin. And so when we sin, we become a slave to sin, and God really is not our master. We don't desire spiritual things. We don't desire being in his presence. Why? Because we are under the power of the devil. You see, the Bible tells us in John eight thirty four, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And so as we're looking at the topic of the sanctuary this evening, as, as we are looking at the reason why God instructed the Israelites to build the sanctuary, we already saw the first reason is so that God could dwell with them. But what, what was it that separated us from God at the very beginning? It was sin. And so, yes, the, the, the sanctuary was put right there in the middle of the camp of the Israelites, showing that God really wanted to be in the very midst of them, to dwell among them. But in order for him to do that, he had to deal with the issue of sin. So this evening, as we go briefly through the sanctuary, we're only spending one hour on this, one, one time, one topic, one study on the sanctuary. We definitely cannot go in depth and in detail into all the furniture. If you're interested, you can sign up to our SALT class, which is online. All you have to do is contact Evelyn at evelyn at aoyweb.org and we'll give you the details and where you can sign up. It's just, a, it's, we, we spend about 24 hours in the sanctuary going through all this detail. But coming back to our study for this evening, we remember we're going to see these two themes in the sanctuary. God wanting to dwell with us, but in order for him to dwell with us, he has to deal with the sin problem. But you see, in order to build the sanctuary, the, the Israelites, they needed materials. They needed to come and bring some offerings. Look at this. Exodus chapter 25, verses 2 to 7. Moses is speaking to the children of Israel. Of course, this was God's command or request. Exodus 25, 2 to 7, the Bible says, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering 
of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram's skins dyed red and badger's skin and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. They needed all these precious materials, gold, silver, brass, all these precious stones, many other things that God is saying to the children of Israel, bring all these things, bring all these things. But there was one prerequisite. You see, if we go back to that verse there, at the very beginning it says what? Of every man that giveth it what? Willingly. Do you see that, friends? They needed to give it willingly, not grudgingly. Oh, you know, if I don't feel happy giving it, God says, hey, don't give it. I want you to give it willingly. And look, you got to remember, this is a big test. They are coming out of Egypt as what? They were in Egypt as slaves. They didn't have much. Where did they get their precious materials from? Do you remember? Moses had instructed them to borrow from the Egyptian neighbors and the Egyptians would give them willingly all these things, maybe just to get rid of them, right? So they had all these precious materials, but it was in limited supply. It wasn't, it wasn't something that they could just go down the road and, and go to a gold mine and dig up more gold. No, all they had was what the Egyptians had given them. And God says, I want you to bring all these precious materials and give it willingly. You know, sometimes we think God enriches us, like how the Egyptians, the world gives us all these riches so that we can give, live a better life. But God says, no, I want you to use that money for the upbuilding of my kingdom, to enrich my work. This is the reason why God enriches us from the worldly standpoint, so that we can come back and give it back to God, give Him all the glory, build up the church, spread the gospel far and wide, that we can use these resources in a wise way for the glory of God. But these Israelites, they didn't have much, and now God is requesting a sacrifice for them, for them to bring all these precious materials to build the sanctuary. And so willingness, friends, very, very important part when it comes to God and his sanctuary. Let's, let's have a look at the building of Solomon's temple when the Israelites would settle in the land of Canaan and then Solomon, David's son, would come and build a more permanent structure. Look at what he says in 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 9. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because they because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. You'll see there that the building of that sanctuary, the Solomon's temple, was also the prerequisite. They had to bring it willingly. And also, even when the Israelites were conquered by Babylon years later, Solomon's temple would be destroyed. They would go into captivity for quite a number of years, but then a few years later, they would be allowed to come out and rebuild the temple of God as well in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And look at what Ezra says in chapter 1 and verse 6 when they were about to rebuild the temple. 
And all that were about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, and with beasts, and with precious things, beside all that was willingly offered. Do you see that? Willing heart was so important in the rebuilding of the temple when they came out of Babylonian captivity as well. You know, we must have a willing heart, friends, if we wish for God to dwell with us. God does not force himself upon us. We must be willing, and only then he will come. You know, God doesn't take possession of us without our request. We have to give him that permission. We got to be willing. We got to be wanting for him to come and dwell with us. So why is a willing heart so important today? Well, let's have a look at another text. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19. The Bible says, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. You see, friends, we can't be obedient unless we are willing first. Willing for Christ to dwell in us. Willing for the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. We must be the ones that will pray for the Holy Spirit to be with us. He does not come upon us without an invitation. We have to be willing first, you see. And so, even in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Friends, God is the one that helps us to be willing to give up the sinful pleasures of this life, to be willing to, to follow his will. He does not force us. He changes our hearts. He transforms our tastes and our desires. He gives us different purposes. He gives us a different direction in life. He's the one that as he changes the internal in our hearts and our minds, then our aims and our goals begin to change. He doesn't force us. He doesn't force us to become a missionary. He doesn't force us to put more money into the offering plate at church. He doesn't force us to even go to church. No, as God changes our hearts and our minds then the desire for spiritual things, the joy for spiritual things, then comes in. But we must be willing for Him to work in our hearts, to will and to do. Without that, friends, the Christian life will always be a struggle. Any command of God will be difficult because we'll see it as a set of laws and requirements that we have to do if we want to be saved, if we want to go to heaven, rather than, oh, I'm doing this willingly because I love God. It's a very different focus, isn't it? Even when it comes to marriage, there's a set laws that, that we have. Don't commit adultery, right? You should be spending more time with your wife, but a man that doesn't love his wife will see this as a burden because he's not willing. His heart and his mind is not transformed. If we surrender and allow him to live in us, he will work in and through us. And whatever the struggle is, whether it's Sabbath or diet or Christian standard, it's, it's not that it gets easier or that it's not an issue anymore, but our priorities have changed. Now, I desire to be at church to worship God. It's something I delight in. It's something that I look forward to. It's the highlight of my week rather than something that, oh, I have to go to worship. I have to be at church because I'm a Christian and I can't be anywhere else, right? Once our mind has changed, it's not that the, 
the, the requirements or what God is asking us to do has changed, but it's our mindset. You know, friends, sometimes we're praying even for the wrong thing, to pray for God to give us strength to keep the Sabbath, strength to resist temptation in eating a certain type of food, but in fact, we should pray for God to change our heart so that the food is no longer a temptation, that going to work on a Sabbath is no longer an issue because that's just not my priority anymore. My priority has shifted and it's focused on something else. Then we don't see God's laws as a burden. We don't see it as something, ah, I can't do it because I'm a Christian. No, it becomes something that is sacred, something that is important, something that is a principle by which we live by because that's just who we are. We won't view dietary principles as a restriction of our enjoyment of food, but we'll see a God who loves us so much that he desires the very best in health for us. Friends, if we want to have a change in heart, we must be willing for God to work in us. That is why willingness is so important. You see, the new covenant is all about the heart, the new covenant experience. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 16. This is what the Bible says. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws where? Into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Friends, God, he wants to write his law in our hearts and in our minds. He doesn't want the Ten Commandments hanging on the wall as, as a set of laws and rules that we have to do if we live in this house. No, he wants that law right here in our hearts and our minds. He doesn't want just intellectual, robotic obedience. He wants obedience from the heart. That at the very core of our being, that is who we are, that we delight to do his law. We got to be willing to obey. So how does the, the Israelites respond to Moses' appeal when he asks for offerings to come and the materials and all these things to build the sanctuary? How do the Israelites respond? Look at this. Exodus 35 and verse 21. The Bible says, And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. You know, friends, if there's one thing that we should emulate from the Israelites, you know, there was much that we shouldn't. You know, they were complainers and murmurers a lot, right? But if there's one thing that we should learn to emulate is this spirit of self-sacrifice, this spirit of willing to give, that is what they did. When Moses made the call, oh, they came. They were so willing until what? Look at this. Exodus 36 and verse 6. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. Can you believe that? They were restrained. They said, stop, stop. Don't bring any more. We have enough. They were restrained. A command had to be given out there. Everybody, we have too much. You got to stop. Can you imagine if we could stand up in church and say that to our church? Everybody, we've collected too much money for our church. You got to stop giving already for the next 
year. I don't know, right? What 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 a shock if we would stand up in church and have to say that. But that's not the way churches operate today. They we're always, you know, asking for more offering and more money, isn't it? To the fact that some people they just turned off from church because it's all about money sometimes. But Moses said, "You got to stop. We got too much." What an amazing display of self-sacrifice that the Israelites gave. This is something really worthy of imitation today. If we truly love God with all our heart, we will desire to bring the very best of gifts to the Lord. Often we give God the leftovers, isn't it? We give within our budget. After we spent on our needs and our wants and many such things like our holidays and our entertainment and our savings and investment, but you know, God desires our very best. We should be giving Him first place in our tithes and even our offerings. But remember, it has to come from a willing heart, a heart that is filled with love and devotion for Him. The very best of materials was used for the sanctuary. You know, it wasn't cheap materials. It was durable. It was precious. You know, Badger skin. When's the last time you heard people using badger skin for for buildings or, or clothing, right? God, He deserves the very best. But too often we tell ourselves, oh, we only use the church once a week. Why do we have to get something so nice? We don't have to get something such good quality. But doesn't God deserve better in our churches as well, more than our home? But the reason that we're not able to do that is because many of us, we've stopped giving. We give God the leftovers. And so the church has always got to appeal for more money. But the best of our tithe and the best of our offering, it belongs to God. But you see, the sanctuary, it was just a pattern. It was a shadow of heavenly things. Like today, we don't see a sanctuary, even the Jews or the Israelites, we don't see them killing um, lambs anymore, right? It was a pattern of something that was reflected from heaven. You see, in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty, where? In the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not man. Do you see that? The one that Moses pitched, that was done by man. God says there's a true tabernacle up in heaven. There is a heavenly sanctuary. And you see, Paul, he was speaking of the earthly sanctuary and the earthly priest compared to what? Jesus as our high priest. But in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, we continue this. They serve, the priests, who serve unto the example and shadow of what? Heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God, when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. Friends, the sanctuary on earth was a figure of something more glorious up in heaven. And on earth, there were, there were two compartments to this earthly sanctuary. There was a courtyard, and then there was the tent itself, which contained the holy place and the most holy place. But in the courtyard, there was only two furnitures. And I'm just going to run through this very quickly. Look, if you want to get into depth into all of this, I do want to encourage you to sign up to our sanctuary class under AOI SALT, our Bible training school. But there were two furnitures 
in the courtyard. The first was the altar of burnt sacrifice. Let's read that real quick in Exodus 27 and verse 1. And thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood, five cubits long, five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. And this is where the animal was brought to be killed and to sacrifice. So the sinner would place their hand on the head of the animal and confess their sins, and they would kill the animal, and then they would burn it, right? And so the main sacrifice that we find that is being sacrificed on the altar of burnt sacrifice is for sin. And then after that, the priest would come to the laver. And in the laver, it was like a big basin full of water. And in Exodus 30, verse 18, the Bible says this, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. And thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. This is where the priests would come and wash their hands and their feet before they went into the tent, the tabernacle of the congregation. That's what the Bible text said. So there were two apartments, there were two sections outside the courtyard, and then the priest would go into the holy place and the most holy place. So the first entrance would be the holy place. And so when you would go into the holy place, you would find three furnitures. On your right, facing north, would be the table of showbread. Right in front of you would be the altar of incense. And on your left would be the golden candlestick. So let's have a look at that table of showbread. Exodus 25, verse 23. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And on this table, there was showbread. There was bread that was baked fresh every week on the Sabbath to place there. And that bread there represents the word of God that we must eat every day. Friends, we got to spend time in God's word every day if we want him to dwell in us. Yes, we got to sacrifice our sins. We got to confess our sins. We got to ask God to forgive us at the altar of burnt sacrifice. And then we move over to the laver. We got to wash our hands and our feet. We got to ask God to wash us, make us pure so that it's not just about sin that we should be cleansed from, but we don't want to keep going back to our sins, right? But what can help us? We've got to eat that bread every day. We've got to eat the Word of God every day. The reason why so many of us are struggling with sins year in, year out, month in, month out, day in and day out is because we are not spending time in the Word of God. Friends, it's not enough just to go to church once a week. It's not enough just to attend prayer meeting once a week or pray sporadically here and there. If we want strength in the spiritual life, we got to be consistent. First, reading the Word of God. But what else? The next furniture is the altar of incense. Exodus 30, verse 1. And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shittim wood shalt thou make it. So what does this incense represent to us today? Psalms 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. 
What does the altar of incense represent? It represents what? Daily prayer. Daily prayer, our devotion to God. Daily reading of the Word of God. Daily prayer. And then the golden candlestick. What is the golden candlestick represent? Exodus 25 and verse 31. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers shall be of the same. And so, friends, that, that candlestick was, the purpose was to give light. And that represents the light that we must shine out to everybody in our character and through the lives that we live, and even in actively sharing the Word of God. You know, many of us, we, we read our Bibles and we pray every day, but we forget. We, we, we forget like, God, what did I just read yesterday? And we go back to our old life of sin, right? Why? If we would take time to share with others, it would deepen the lesson in our mind about what we learned that morning from our morning devotions or our devotions, whenever it is that you, you take the time to read the Bible. But if we would take the time to shine out God's character, shine out His Word, we ourselves would be remembered more and protected more from the lessons that we've learned from the Word that day. You see, these, are, these furnitures represent such important lessons for us to know what? How we can let Jesus dwell in us. The sanctuary was all about what? God to dwell with us. And in order for that to happen, he must deal with the sin problem. He dealt with the sin problem at the altar of burnt sacrifice, killing the lamb. He was that sacrifice. He was the lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. But it's not enough just to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. We've got to spend time in his word. We've got to allow the word to wash our hearts and our minds. We've got to pray every day asking for the Holy Spirit, for God to dwell in us, to help us to live through us, to give us strength against all the temptations. And finally, in the most holy place, there was only one furniture, and that was the Ark of the Covenant. That was the abiding presence of God. This was where the presence of God was, where His glory abode. We call that the Shekinah glory, the light of God, His presence. And, you know, friends, the reason why we don't go into a literal sanctuary today and why we don't have to kill a lamb every time we sin, why we don't have to go through this whole process and do all these sacrifices and all these feasts is because Jesus has fulfilled every single one of the requirements of the sanctuary. You see, in Matthew 1, 21, the Bible says, She shall bring forth a son, speaking of Mary, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, he came to save us from our sins. That's one of the themes of the sanctuary, to deal with the sin problem. Jesus dealt with it. But not just that. Matthew 1, 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You see, another name for Jesus was what? Emmanuel, and that name means what? God with us. God, he wants to dwell with us. 
You see, God came literally in the flesh to be with you and me. That is the other theme of the sanctuary. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the sanctuary. And so when he came and when he died, he fulfilled all those things that the Israelites did because it pointed forward to Jesus. Yes, we see Christ in every part of the sanctuary. It is all about Jesus. So no, we don't have to do all the things in the Old Testament, but when we study in the Old Testament, the sanctuary, we see a very clear picture of the gospel, of the plan of salvation, of a savior. We see Jesus. You see, Jesus, he was the high priest. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, we already read this. Now of the things which have spoken, this is a sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Jesus is that high priest. Jesus is also the lamb. He is the sacrifice. Look at John chapter 1 and verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, What? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He was that lamb. He was that sacrifice. But not just that. Jesus is also the laver where we wash our hands. He is that water. Look at this, John 4, 13 to 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus was that water that we can use to, yes, in this sense, drink, but the labor, it was water that represented Jesus. The table of showbread, the bread, Jesus is that bread as well. Look at this, John 6, 35. And Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and that he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You see that, friends? Jesus is that bread that we can eat of every day. He is the word of life, and we find that in the scriptures, the word of God today. And even the, the candlestick that gives light, Jesus is that light as well. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's why, friends, we don't need to have this literal sanctuary to step through today. We don't need to go through all those ceremonies, those processes. But does it make what they did in the Old Testament bad or wrong? No. As we study the sanctuary in the Old Testament, we see the gospel coming alive. We see it in great detail. Don't think the Israelites, they didn't understand the gospel or the plan of salvation. It was very clear. An innocent victim coming to die on our behalf, confessing of sins. Yes, God wanted to do all of that, and he still wants to do that for us today. But you know what? We got to be willing. The question is, are we willing for him to dwell in us today? God, his presence was right there in the most holy place of the sanctuary. His presence was right there. He said, build a sanctuary 
that I may dwell among you. He was in that sanctuary. And today, there is another sanctuary, not just in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. I will dwell with them, in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Friends, God, he wants to be our God. But the question is, do you want to be fully his today? You got to be willing, willing to surrender to him, willing to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. Where can we start today? Friends, let's pray for God's Spirit to dwell in us. Let's ask Him to forgive us of our sins. Let's pray that we would be willing to be made willing to follow Jesus at every step, wherever He leads us. Because friends, we're not capable of totally surrendering our heart to Him. We can only give God permission and God will do the rest. He will will and to do of His good pleasure. Let's pray that God would write His law in our hearts and in our minds, that we would reflect His character, not begrudgingly and forcefully, but willingly with a heart filled with His love. You see, friends, this is the essence of the sanctuary. God, He wants to dwell with us. He wants to go with us wherever we go, not just to be with us on church, in church once a week, but that we would be willing to bring God into our studies, into our work, into our relationships, into our families, that we would bring Him everywhere we go, that He would truly dwell with us 24 hours, seven days a week, that we would bring Him into every social event, to every interaction. God, He wants to be with us. But that means we've got to start every day with God. Because as human beings, we forget too easily. We have our eyes focused on so many other things, so many other objects, items, relationships, all these other things that take our attention away from God and not to say that all these things are bad, but it becomes bad when it takes up, absorbs all our attention and we have nothing left to give to God. You know, as busy as Christ was, He would always spend time with his father while he walked on this earth. He, from morning till evening, people were looking for him. He was so famous and yet he didn't have any, they didn't have any internet back then. He was so famous, crowds followed him wherever he went. But yet he always made sure to spend time with his father in heaven. Friends, God desires nothing more and nothing less than to be with us today. The question is, are you willing to open the Word just to spend some time with Him? Are you willing just to bow your head, close your eyes and spend some time in prayer to tell Him about your life? Are you willing to ask Him to come in and do the renovation, do the change that is needed in our hearts and our minds that will overflow into the actions of our life? that will change the purposes and the desires, the places that we go, the things that we, the, we eat and the places we choose to visit, all these things, the friends that we choose to have, the studies that we choose to, to have, the, the work that we choose to do. All these things will change 
if we allow God to come into our hearts? Why not taste and see if God is good? Maybe you think you have a really good life right now, even though you don't read the Bible, even though you don't pray. Maybe you're scared that God will take away some things that you enjoy. But friends, Christ, He came that we might have abundant life. You haven't begun to scratch the surface of what abundant living is unless you live a life in Christ. What have you got to be afraid of, friends? Why not give God a try today? Just say, God, I'm willing. Help me to spend that time in your word after I finish this sermon. Help me to to spend a bit more time in prayer. Help me to make you my priority. Too many of us, we are living below the surface of what God wants us to live. He wants to give us that abundant life today. Are you willing to give it a try, friends? As I pray, I ask that you would bow your heads with me, that we would be willing to surrender our lives to God again, to be willing to be made willing, to invite Jesus into our hearts right now. Why don't you pray along with me? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you that you're a God who loves us so much that you want to spend every moment of every day in our lives to guide us, to lead us, to be our God. You want to give us abundant life. You want to give us love and joy and peace and all the good things of heaven. But yet, Lord, so often we are satisfied with eating the crumbs from off your table. We are satisfied with the world and what it offers, not realizing that there's so much more. Oh, Father, please be with us today. Help us to be brave and courageous to taste and see that you're good. Help us, Lord, to set aside time to push away parts of our life that even though they're not bad, but it takes away time from spending time with you. Help us, Lord, come and spend more time with you today that we might commune with you in word and in prayer. May you please guide us to that end, O Lord. Lead us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and transform our hearts and our minds, Lord. Please, Do for us what we cannot do for ourselves is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org